This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Good morning and welcome to episode number 24 of Go To Grandma. It's still me, Kathy Buckworth, your host and guide through the wonderful world of grandparenting. And we have a world of fun and factual conversations coming at you today, so let's get to it. Never work with children and animals. That's an old showbiz expression. While I haven't interviewed children or animals on the show, I talk about my grandkids all the time, and today we're going to get the next best thing on the animal side. Sherry Davis is the dog master on the hit TV series Hudson and Rex. I'm going to talk to her today about how she gets Diesel, Rex's real name, to do the things that he does. I know it's a favorite show for many of our listeners, so I'm looking forward to getting the K9411 for you. Thinking of downsizing? What about all of that stuff? Productivity catalyst Claire Kumar joins me with some tips to get started. We dive into the numbers with Stats Canada for an in-depth look at the demographic changes that are coming as our population ages across the country. Fascinating stuff. So honored to have Michael Pollock or Little Dipper on the show as part of our Take 5 with RBC series to tell us about the four seasons of reconciliation course being offered by First Nations University of Canada and RBC. Don't I always promise facts and fun on this show? We've got it all today. Get your notebooks out, turn up the volume, pour that coffee and join me for the next half hour. I'm Kathy Buckworth and you're listening to Go To Grandma. Claire Kumar is a productivity catalyst and highly sensitive executive coach who helps driven professionals avoid exhaustion and burnout and instead achieve sustainable performance. She is the founder of the Happy Space Pod, an online community for highly sensitive professionals and those who want to love and support them. Claire is a sought-after media contributor and international speaker, inviting listeners to notice the little things that make a big difference. She's going to be talking to me today about how to feel up about downsizing. Good morning, Claire. How are you today? Really well. Thanks, Kathy. I imagine you're very organized as usual as a productivity catalyst. Many of our listeners are going through downsizing as they look at maybe moving out of the family home, you know, moving into a condo or, you know, expanding, who knows what they're doing. But downsizing, why is it so tough? Well, I think any change is difficult. Uh, we know mm-hmm. that transitions, especially for highly sensitive people, which are about one in five amongst us, it can be extra difficult. But there's also this great sense of letting go, especially Mm -hmm. if, you know, you might be in a situation where this isn't really driven by your choice. This may be life happening to you a little bit. Right, exactly. So you feel like it's the right time. You have to make the move. It doesn't make sense maybe to have the big family home. Um, So getting rid of some of that stuff can be really hard. Yeah, I like to get people to think through the four-step plan to get organized, which I came up with about a decade ago. And it's a really helpful way to think about this project and this journey, this transition that you're on. And PLAN is an acronym. So P, the P stands for prioritize. And that's really, you know, it's an exercise, an invitation, envisioning what do you want to do in your life? How do you want to spend your time now? And how do you want your space to feel? And if you can get really clear on what that looks like, then all of a sudden you can get excited about the future that you're creating. And it may look different, of course, than the way you're living now. 
that helps us navigate through the next step, which is L for liberate. And that's the letting go piece of all the things that won't necessarily fit in that new space. And so if we have this vision, these priorities are so clear, we can feel good about it and deal a little bit more gracefully with the letting go piece. Makes sense. And A would be for? Arranging. So if you know where you're going, I mean, the best the best and smoothest situation is if you know where you're going. Let's say you're going from a four or five bedroom house and you're going into a two bedroom condo. Mm-hmm. If you have the floor plan for where you're going, boy, you can be really armed with a lot of details that can help you curate and, and mm-hmm. treasure hunt through your existing space and then plan those in your new space. If you don't, then it's harder to be really specific because layout really influences the way we can arrange our furniture in a new space. The, num- the amount of built-in storage, for example, mm-hmm. might influence the kind of furniture that you need. But the sense of designing your new space around your priorities can be a really fun process too. Yeah, imagine. And then N. And as for nurturing, so mm. nurturing is usually, you know, when, you're, when you've got a system working for you, what are the behaviors and habits and rituals you need to keep it working for you? So as you anticipate a move, maybe you need to reassess how much shopping you're doing and how much you're bringing in because you know that space might be under pressure. So start building some of those good habits now in terms of your acquiring and management of things. So it's starting to minimize what's coming in before we have to start taking stuff out, basically. Exactly. Start to build some of that practice and sort of respect for the capacity that you have. And then as you move through making some of those decisions, what I would want to really encourage for people is this feeling of lightning, this feeling of stepping into joy. Mm-hmm. So one really powerful tool is to think of the time you were on vacation. You probably took some favorite outfits in a suitcase or, in my case, a backpack. And I had my happiest year when I had the fewest number of possessions. I've heard that, yeah, from people who've traveled extensively, that having the, the minimal, you know, outfits and things to take with you, it, it feels clear. It feels good. In terms of downsizing, to whom, you know, should our listeners turn if they need additional help? Well, there's a whole group of organizing professionals that really are skilled in knowing how to move things forward, how to space plan, how to coach emotionally around some of that challenge and letting go. So there's strategic and emotional and practical support all the way through from contemplating a move and and bring somebody in earlier if you're feeling like you need support. So don't leave it to the week before you need to move. This has happened numerous times. Like, oh my gosh, we've got to list our place and we're moving in (laughs) two weeks and oh my gosh, allow some lead time, but pull in a professional. Professional organizers in Canada is a great place to go to find uh, find somebody. And I have a team of people that help um, occasionally too. So get some help. Don't feel like you're alone in uh, tackling the project. And if we want to find out more about the help that you can offer, we can go to clairekumar.com and that's C-L-A-R-E-K-U-M-A-R.com. And you're also under that on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Thank you so much, Claire. I love this idea of feeling lighter at the end of this process. Oh, my pleasure, Kathy. Great to chat with you. Take care. Thanks. Sherry Davis is one of Canada's top animal trainers and the owner of BRB Canine Services, a professional animal wrangling and dog care service provider. 
The Ancaster resident has trained and supplied a menagerie of animals to the film and television industry for over 25 years. She is currently the dog master on the hit international series Hudson and Rex and owner of the series canine lead Diesel Vom Bergenwald, who plays Rex. Once intent on becoming a veterinarian, Davis's inherent connection to animals and continuous study of their behaviors has facilitated her successful career in animal training. Her clients in film and television have included the series Murdoch Mysteries, American Gods, Coroner, Designated Survivor, Flashpoint, as well as the feature film Room, among many others. Sherry Davis, thank you so much for joining me this morning. We have so many interested listeners right now because they love the show Hudson and Rex, and Rex, of course, the most. How did Diesel come to you, and how did he come to be Rex? Thanks for having us, Kathy. So, yeah, there's a funny story there because Rex originally was going to be a a different German Shepherd, a, a much darker German Shepherd, and I had gone to get a puppy, and I ended up coming home with two puppies and Diesel, who ended up being Rex. And Diesel was um, at the breeder. He had been purchased and returned to the Mm. breeder. And um, I went to get a puppy that I had been waiting for for over two years. Finally, the breeder called and said, be here tomorrow. And I've got two boys, and one of them has your name on it. And I went up, and he was sitting down down in the kennel, and he just kept making eye contact with me, and I had the two puppies out, and I'm like, I can't decide. And I said, what's with that dog down there? And ah, that dog's been returned, blah, blah, blah. I said, let him out. And I ended up leaving with him and his two nephews. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, and I only had him for a couple of days when Adam Haight from Shaftesbury came out, and he said uh, we were having a meeting, and he turned around and said, oh, my gosh, there's Rex. And I said, oh, oh, no, 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 that's not Rex. Um, I just see <laughs> them, and they're like, you trained all these other dogs? I said, yep. He said, okay, I'll see you next week. He goes, that's Oh, Rex. amazing. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And for the record, uh, Rex is what type of dog? He is a German Shepherd. His actual real name is Diesel Vom Bergenwald. Which I think is very suitable for a German Shepherd. I love it. <laughs> so, share your official title is Dog Master. What does a Dog Master do? Uh, thanks for asking. You know, a lot of people don't understand. There's, there's trainers, there's wranglers, and then there's masters. And what a Dog Master does is a Dog Master actually is in every step of production that there is. So, there's the logistic meetings and the production meetings and then the dog stunt meetings and so all those meetings I'm involved in and then I do all the training then when it comes to set time I go in for all the rehearsals and for the blocking of the shots and what I have to do is I have to choreograph the dog's movements and behaviors in accordance with what the director wants, but still trying to choreograph everything with the actors so that we don't step on their lines, we don't get in their way. And then I've got to figure out where the cameras are going to be and lighting and everything else so that we don't cast shadows and I can have wranglers in different areas. So it's a big uh, choreographed dance that I'm constantly doing. 
And what I do is I take the script and I break it all down so I know all the behaviors that I have to do in each of the dog shots because Diesel is actually a cast member. So he's not like a guest dog or, um, you know, a lot of times when you see dogs uh, in film, they're always shot separately. Well, he's in all the masters. He gets his own close-ups. He is a cast member. So it's a little bit different than most shows that involve animals, but it's an amazing, an amazing opportunity. And uh, to see a dog play a cast member is something that we haven't seen in many, many, many years. So, yeah. I think it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. different. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's amazing. And as you say, you know, just so much goes into just watching Rex walk down a wooded pathway or something. There's just so much that goes into that. But I know that beyond Hudson and Rex, you also have a podcast about dogs, which I want to talk about for a bit. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, so we started How to Dog, and basically it's everything you want to know about dogs. So you, callers call in, and they ask a question, and then I go out and interview specialists from around the world. And it's been amazing. Like, we've been to Mexico, and we've been to Ireland and England and Australia. I've been around the world basically interviewing people on the podcast and getting answers for people who want to know everything from do your dogs dream to why a dog barks to can they catch COVID? Like anything. Amazing. And we can find that again. It's called How to Dog and we can find that. And if we want to find more information, we can look at you on Instagram at BRBK9 or Twitter, Hudson and Rex, Facebook.com is Sherry Davis. Sherry, thank you so much for joining me today. That was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Michael Pollock, or Little Dipper, is a Mohawk, Bear Clan, and Portfolio Manager, Media and Entertainment, RBC. Michael is dedicated to leveraging Indigenous pathways to solve global problems through his gift of two-eyed seeing. By incorporating principles from the Haudenosaunee Great Law into modern innovation frameworks like design thinking and agile to develop what Michael refers to as creation-centered design, he is committed to helping organizations and community reconcile colonial science and ancient Indigenous knowledge. Good morning, Michael. Thank you for joining me today. My pleasure. Michael, we need to know, we need it to get it from the source. What is the Four Seasons of Truth and Reconciliation course all about, and how was it developed? Yeah, Four Seasons of Reconciliation is it's a unique three-hour course, which promotes a renewed relationship between Indigenous people and Canadians through uh, this transformative set of learning modules. And the program was developed in cooperation and collaboration with First Nation University of Canada. What I believe it is, is the foundation of this learning as we chart this path on this journey towards reconciliation here in Canada. The modules within the Four Seasons of Reconciliation, they go through a series of really important foundational learnings. So uh, module one is economic reconciliation, um, and then it continues, and it, it goes through the colonial lens and the colonial perspective, pre-contact history here in Canada, treaties. It explores the history of residential schools, dives into United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People, or some, some refer to UNDRIP, Indigenous relations and the uniqueness of um, ways to engage Indigenous people and community, reconciliation, 
as well as restitution. Wow, there's a lot to absorb in there. And you know, I feel this, and I'm sure you do too, but why is it important for Canadians to learn about truth and reconciliation? Yeah, the two words seem to always go together, truth and reconciliation. Mm -hmm. I, I almost feel like it's chronological in the process. Like in order to achieve reconciliation, we need to understand the truth. The truth mm -hmm. about the history and the culture here in Canada. And so learning this truth captures and creates the potential to help us grow, not just as individuals, but also as a collective with our community here, our, our Canadian family. And when we begin mm -hmm. to think and operate in unity in this way, that's when we can start to achieve real reconciliation. And so it's, it's important because, you know, of all the myriad of challenges that we face today, in my opinion, that all of the best solutions are designed when we operate from this unified mind, this collective mind. And so truth leads to reconciliation, which allows us to operate in harmony and unity. To date, Michael, how many have taken the course? Uh, the numbers are ever-changing. Mm -hmm. So uh, enterprise-wide, you know, across the country, approximately 47% of the RBC community has taken at least the first module, but those numbers are even better when we look at, uh, oh, sorry, 47% have uh, completed the entire learning course, um, but awesome. in terms of modules themselves, uh, at least the first module, uh, those numbers are up just above 60% uh, and growing. That's amazing. And I assume that most people are reporting new learning and knowledge that they were not educated about in school. The feedback from those that I've spoken to or um, joined in a reflection around what their learning was, how it changed the perspective or sparked the curiosity or uh, revealed something that they didn't have the opportunity to learn, mm -hmm. it's been really, really uh, inspiring from my perspective to hear the way that the learning has impacted those that have made a commitment to, to dive into this learning. So for our listeners who are interested in registering for the course, how can they get access to it? Currently, the course is available online in English and French. You can access the link through this website, www.reconciliationeducation.ca slash RBC. That's wonderful. Complimentary uh, learning for RBCers and complimentary uh, RBC actually uh, expanded that partnership to offer this learning outside of RBC uh, complimentary for a um, short period of time for those who wish to go on this learning journey. Well, thank you so much, uh, Michael. I really appreciate learning about this, and I know our listeners will be interested in finding out more about it, as you say, at reconciliationeducation.ca slash RBC. Thanks again for joining me. Yeah, and thank you. Lynn Barr Telford is the Assistant Chief Statistician of the Social Health and Labor Statistics Field at Statistics Canada. The Social Health and Labor Statistics Field provides accurate, timely, and relevant information across a range of social subject matters to decision makers at all levels of government, to non-governmental organizations, to researchers, and to the Canadian public. Good morning, Lynn. Thanks for joining me today. We are going to be looking at a study that came out from Stats Canada in October 2021 called The Economics and Health of an Aging Population. So, Lynn, tell me, how big of a demographic change are we expecting in the coming years as our population ages? Well, first 
first of all, thank you, Kathy, for having me on to talk about this uh, significant demographic change that's really right on our doorstep, our mm-hmm. aging population. As we know, population aging isn't new. But increasing life expectancy, people are living longer, lower fertility rate, uh, fewer number of children being born to women since the uh, late 1970s has really made it unavoidable. Uh, when we think about the large baby boom cohort that was born between 1946 and 1965, this group is now moving into their senior years, and this is accelerating our population aging. In fact, in 2016, seniors outnumbered children in Canada for the very first time. And right now, nearly one in five Canadians are 65 and older. And if we look ahead to 2031, this is likely to increase to one in four. And this isn't going away. Population aging isn't going away. The first of the baby boomers, they were born in 1946. They're going to reach their 80s in 2026. And the last of that that cohort will reach their 80s in 2045. So these are significant changes. By 2045, we're going to see the number of our 80-plus population likely doubling. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm 1963, so I'm right in there at the last part of that cohort. So you're right. I mean, it's happening, right? We're, I'm coming up to 60 in a couple of years. How will these demographic changes vary across Canada in different regions? Are there big differences? Well, you know, Kathy, what I talked about was really about Canada as a whole. But when you when you talk about national averages, it hides some of the differentiation, some of the mm-hmm. contrast we have going on around uh, the country and in different regions. And in fact, there are differences. You know, populations in eastern Canada, east of Ontario, that is, they tend to be older in the prairies and in northern Canada. They're younger and, mm-hmm. and children there still outnumber seniors. So, you know, Newfoundland and Labrador, for example, they have the oldest population right now and Nunavut has the youngest population they have three in ten people in in Nunavut is under the age of of 15 we talked about the 80 plus population we talked about the fact that in the next 20 20 years it's likely to double but in Newfoundland and Labrador that's more likely to triple whereas in Saskatchewan the changes is in the neighborhood of about two percent so these regional differences mean there are different needs across the country. And it really mm-hmm. points to the fact that one-size-fits-all approaches in, in thinking about the aging population are unlikely to be successful. It's amazing the differences, actually, in terms of what the, it will mean to our provincial governments and how they move forward with things like healthcare and education and all of those things. I mean, this is the kind of information they really need. How will the composition of the senior population change? Will we be seeing more diversity in terms of ethnicity, immigration, age, living situation, all of those great things. Well, Kathy, in general, Canada's population is becoming more diverse. And and this is also true of our senior population. Right now, one in four of our seniors was born abroad, foreign-born, and one in seven belong to a visible minority group. For example, Chinese, South Asian, Black, or, or Filipino. And in the next 40 years, we really expect to see both of these increase to almost 50%. And we know that uh, as our aging immigrants face certain economic challenges, regardless of how long they've lived in Canada. For example, mm-hmm. lower medium income. But we also see the advantages that come with cultural diversity in this country. You know, foreign-born seniors are much more likely to live in a household uh, with multiple generations mm-hmm. of family. And this may mean that they have uh, more access to family supports. 
You know, when we talk about the aging population, Kathy, we, we really also need to talk about women. Women still have a slightly higher life expectancy than men, even though the, the gap has narrowed, but they're still likely to continue to make up a larger share of the senior population over, over the coming years. So it's really important to think about how diversity is changing in the country and what that means for diverse needs and, and serving those diverse needs of our senior populations. There's so much we can draw out of these numbers, and, and we're going to continue this conversation in a future episode of Go to Grandma. But in the meantime, we can go to the Statistics Canada website, and we can find you on social media under StatCan underscore English or French, Instagram, and Facebook. Look at that, all over the social media networks as well for all the information we need. Thank you so much for joining me today, Lynn. Oh, thank you so much, Kathy, and, and thank you for uh, directing people to the website. And I also want to just mention to everyone, we had a census in 2021, as you know, and a lot of the various trends. Uh, we're going to be releasing new data over the over the course of the, the next several months. So pay attention to that as well. Some of these themes will be back with some new data. Thank you. Absolutely will do. Thanks so much for that, Lynn. Take care. Thank you. I've never had a dog, so I guess I'll stick to training my kids and now my grandkids to do tricks for me. I've already got two-year-old Owen working my coffee machine. Next week, are you a groundhog grandparent? Do you find yourself doing the same things over and over again just because you always have? I'm going to give some advice on how to break out of that. And etiquette expert Julie Blaise joins me to talk about those bad manners we keep repeating and how to fix that. Radio personality and mom of three, Taylor Kay, joins me to talk about the decision she and her husband made to invite his parents to live with them and how that's going. Take five with RBC dives into GICs, important information you won't want to miss. Thanks for joining us this week. I'm Kathy Buckworth, your go-to grandma. Enjoy your grand journey. Share your thoughts on this show with us. You can find Kathy on Twitter at Kathy Buckworth or email her Kathy at KathyBuckworth.com. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.